Hello, everybody. Today we are going to be talking about coaching. Before you press the forward button or the turn off button, because whenever you say, "Oh, we're going to talk about coaching," uh, it's a it's a pretty it's a non-exciting word. It doesn't get your uh, juices flowing and be like, yes, I want to learn about coaching. I want to put something into your ear. There's a lot of misconceptions around what makes a good coach, what makes a great teacher. And a lot of people will point to, oh, it's the pedigree. It's the history. They have to have a long line of um, teachers and coaches inside of their family um, to be able to teach my son or daughter, or they have to have the playing experience. They, they need to know the ins and outs of the games. They need to know every single detail because if they know the details and they know the information, um, they are are they are above and beyond um, the best person for my son or daughter. I want to mention three names here. Nick Balteri. If you don't know who that name is, he is the most famous tennis coach of all time, has created academies. He now works for IMG Academy, and he has uh, a number of top 10 tennis players under his belt. Here's just a few of them. Andre Agassi, Serena Williams and Venus Williams. <laughs> Next name, Bill Belichick. Everyone knows who that is. Obviously, the uh, Sith Lord, the dark side, the Patriots. Unless you're in Boston, then um, that's your team. And then you have John Wooden. So the similarities between Nick Balteri and Bill Belichick is that they never played at an extreme high level as a player. Balateri never played past high school, and he is one of the most famous tennis coaches of all time. Bill Belichick, Bill, sorry, Bill Belichick played only D3 football. And then now John Wooden. Now he had an historic, historic uh, playing career. He played at Purdue and then obviously went to UCLA as a coach and became like the end all be all of um, coaching philosophies. Um, still to this day, the guy has, been, has passed away, but um, people still reference him uh, on his coaching ability. The similarities between Nick and Bill is that they didn't play at a high level. The similarities between all three is that they never talked about the technical stuff. Everything that they talk about is about building people and bringing out the best characteristics of that person. And that is what we are going to be talking about today in this episode. Dave and I go down this route and we try to break down the disbeliefs, or the, not disbeliefs, break down the belief systems that you have to have a coach that has experienced professional sports, or I have to have that person that um, literally has been to the moon and back with being on top teams and playing at a high-end university or playing Major League Baseball or AAA, AA, single A, you name it. You don't really need that. You need the person that has been surrounded by fantastic coaches who also have great mentors in their circle that have experienced people that know human behavior and how to bring out the best in someone and being able to deliver characteristics, morals. Hey, I'm already 
jumping into the topic. I hope you enjoy it. Please give us a five-star review um, when you're done listening to it. If you are a new listener, this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. We'd love to have you subscribe to the show. If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. Let's finish it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win, yeah. LA BB, who we running with, yeah. Two, two, three, three, I'm on 10 again, yeah. State your name. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. We are coming at you in the Tiger Center right now. We are in full-fledged moving mode, meaning that we are going to be moving into a nice brand new headquarters here in St. Louis. Um, We've been in this Baldwin location for... uh, Aaron's been here for almost 20 years now, Mm -hmm. and we've grown so much that we need a new spot for... um, the staff that we have and the teams that we have. So it's going to be a multi-purpose training center and office space for us, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, bunny. That's uh, that should be fun. Hopefully here in what, like a month, month and a half. I would say I would hopefully a month. And um, once, once it's up and running, um, I will make sure that I create some videos and some photos for everyone to see i know people are anxious everyone is very familiar with the tiger center that we're in Um, it's really funny when players come in from out of town that are not st louis players and they come in and like oh this is the space this is the this is the backdrop for all the videos and content that we create well heck with it i'm even more i'm i'm very excited about all the capabilities that that facility is going to allow us to bring value to people outside of our area as well I mean, way, way different training concepts, training videos uh, that we're partnering, partnering with Rawlings on this to be the Rawlings Training Center. You know, there's just different things that that's going to allow us to do so uh, we can continue to provide value to people outside. Yep. And we are still keeping the original headquarters. So if you do come to St. Louis and you are a tiger and want to see the backdrop of the big tiger and uh, all the graphics and the orange room, um, you can definitely come into uh, that location and see it as well. So um, interesting thing, I was scrolling through Twitter this morning. It's kind of like my routine. I create lists on my Twitter and I actually scroll through. And the person that I have on one of my lists is uh, Portnoy of Barstool Sports. Yep. Barstool Press. And I don't know if you saw what he posted. It was either yesterday or this morning. It would have been yesterday because I, I wake up really early. He, Easton, we're not an Easton company. So we're Rawlings. So sorry, Rawlings. This is a very interesting topic. So we're going to talk about Easton. Easton sent Portnoy a green and silver, or it was the silver or white old '90s Easton bat, the green machine. Okay. Why? Do you do you know? Have you seen that bat? No, but I did think I saw him reference like the old Black Magic or something like that, yes. bat or something like that. And Easton ended up making him the green 
the green machine and sending it to him. So he has a brand new, not like a used one that you can get off of eBay. They packaged it up and made it brand new for him and sent it to him and brought back so many memories. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, I wish companies would do that where they would make these old bats and send and have purchases where you can actually buy them. Like the TPX air attack. Yeah. Like that bat was just amazing. Yeah. The D Marini Vexum, the original, not the new one, the original with the black and the gold lettering. I loved all the liquid metals when they played. Oh my gosh. Rawlings should definitely make that and bring it back. But it was just really interesting because like it just brought back so much nostalgia. Why did they send it to him? I have no idea. I mean, it's, it's it's Portnoy. I mean, he's in stocks. He's, He's he's on Fox News. He's yelling at people on the streets, and then he's trying out pizza, and then he gets a Easton bet. So, living the that. life. Oh, I mean, he's got <laughs> probably the best job in the in the whole wide world. Just be a fraternity guy for the rest right. of your life. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> All right, guys. So the topic today that I want to talk about is coaching, and I don't want to make it sound really boring when like, oh, you just heard that word. Oh shit, I'm turning this off right now. Just coaching. That's that's lame. Dave has have has a lot of conversations throughout the United States, ranging from Seattle all the way to Florida. And there's a lot of pain points that we hear throughout those conversations. Well, I don't. Dave does. Um, I'm on social media and I see what you guys are posting online. But one thing that I really want to hit home is that this world is getting a little bit more complicated as the internet starts growing. Information is is a commodity, but good information is at an all-time premium right now. Mm-hmm. And if you want information, literally you can just search Google and you'll find whatever you want. And you, you don't know if that's right or that's wrong. You might have a a solid guess. You could probably have a 90% confidence rate that that is the right information and you are absolutely on point. But this comes into the trust factor of when you have quality information, things that work, things that actually push the needle forward. And that's a huge pain point because for coaches, it's communication is fast. It's at literally I can send a text to you right now and I can either blow your phone up or I can ask a question um, or I can be in a fury rage and yell at you through text message. So, Coaching has started to get a little bit, what would you say, scarce? Um, maybe not scarce, but there's definitely not the same perception of what it used to be. Yes. I would say the perception has totally changed, and there's certainly a hesitation to take on that role going forward. It's kind of like the same, like, you... You hear in this situation, we're not talking about this today, but you hear about in like referees or umpires are becoming scarce. Mm -hmm. It is becoming really, really hard to get people to want to do that. And from a coaching perspective, yeah, I mean, let's just, here's what I talk about all the time with guys. And you hear this all the time, or at least when I talk to them. Those people are, let's talk about a youth coach. Those people are working a 40, 50 hour work week. They have families. They have priorities, obligations, responsibilities just in everyday life. And then their son or daughter is playing a sport and taking on the responsibility 
of being a coach, you look at all the now added responsibilities and times and things that you now have to do as being that coach on top of what you have on your life. You have, you know, all the admin work, you have to handle the uniforms, you have to handle the team communication, you have to set up schedules, you have to set up practices, you have to coach the games, you have to be there to have the parent meetings, to talk to the parents, to talk to the player, the whole families individually, anything. And then you got, you know, obviously the ups and downs of seasons. Anyhow. Budgets. It's budgets. A lot. A lot goes into it. And it can become quickly, I don't want to call it a burden. I want to call it overwhelming because it is a lot. Ask any youth coach out there. I mean, they don't do it for the money. They don't get paid. They generally have some tough conversations throughout the year that might not be so easy or nice for them to have. And more so than not, sometimes it's viewed as a thankless job. And when I have those conversations with people out there, that those are the major pain points that I hear. And that's why when you kind of look back at it, if I was a parent, not currently coaching, but got asked to coach, those were the things that I'd look at right now. I'd be like, well, does coaching up that team, does working with those players, my son, my daughter, outweigh all the other issues that might come with it and the time commitments that come with it. And I think that's unfortunately what a lot of people are starting to look at now. Social media has really moved this into the limelight, especially with the umpire situation. Because some parents, not all, there's a small minority of them that feel like they're at a professional game and they can say whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. And obviously their emotions get super tied into their player, which mm-hmm. ends up, you could argue that that is a hovering parent. Mm-hmm. For coaches, there's a lot of quality people out there and a lot of people that don't think that they're experts, but they are experts. And you'll be surprised on my answer on this for youth coaches is that you don't have to be an expert in the game. You just have to be an expert at human nature and be a person that is really good with handling relationships and have strong leadership qualities. That's what players need the most at that age. The expert advice, in my opinion, is something that can easily be bought at a very cheap rate for the value that you're getting. I wouldn't say cheap. I would say the value that you're getting. It's you get more value um, from the price that you have to pay. And in every location, there is a person out there that's an ex-big leaguer, um, professional, mm-hmm. um, collegiate player that would be willing to give their information um, and want to. And I think from a coaching standpoint for youth teams, to be able to have a successful youth team you have to be really good at not the expert advice, but being able to network and understand people. And if you have a good leadership background, you'll be able to grab the expert advice to come in and be like, guys, I brought in Jim over here who played outfield for the Cardinals and he knows anything and everything about outfield. And so we're going to have him talk to us about defensive positions. And then we're going to have him um, do hitting for us as well. 
And that only you only need him for one or two days. And then you can end up bringing another person in. And I think if you do it that way, you end up streamlining yourself and you're able to get the, get the itch that you have, but you also help yourself to be able to move in a different direction. I'm a big advocate of coaches being able to outsource things for their team. Yeah. But so going back to something you said there, I don't, me personally, I've never seen a coach get into that situation without having the absolute best intentions around, right? Mm -hmm. They always do. Like you're never going to just volunteer the amount of time that you know it needs to, that you need to put into that team. Well, there's there's people out there right now that are overqualified and don't do it because they think that it's going to take too much time. They think that they don't want to get yelled at. They, there's this yelled at by parents or oh, yeah. um, getting the pressure of uh, budgets and everything like that. But if you outsource everything, you have the ability to get your itch done, which is you want to help people and you're able to help your own son or daughter. Sure. And, and what I'm getting at with this is in, it's the same concept you're talking about, but there's a threshold for everybody. There's a point where no no matter how good I want to do and how much I want to help people, there is a threshold. There is a point where people are just not going to want to do it anymore. They're not going to want to deal with it. The negative outweighs the positive. And whether that's the time commitment side, because you're talking about outsourcing, whether that's the just emotional side of things. We all know youth seasons and youth sports can get very emotional from so many different areas. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just, you know what, it, it, it's becoming too much of a, of a hassle. It's becoming too much. It's just overwhelming me. It's not worth me personally being this just absolutely just mad at the world and, and hating what I'm doing to actually put my time into it. And you're seeing that happen a lot. We've seen that happen throughout a long time. You know, we work with a lot of coaches. Mm -hmm. That's the problem that needs to be solved. How do you think that it needs to be managed? Well, I can only talk from some experiences that we have and what we do, okay, and what we're trying to do. And let's first off, I think that there's a lot of the burden or the time commitment that can be taken off the coach's hands. Okay. Some of the most, let's just look on a simplistic, uh, situation. A lot of successful youth teams, it's not all put onto the coach. They might have a team manager that helps them do everything from a scheduling perspective. They might have multiple assistant coaches. Like we have a great example of a guy in Columbus, Ohio, his name's uh, Tony Yoakum, and he has a great setup with his coaching staff. He has three different assistant coaches on his team that handle different aspects of the practice. Tony's kind of the manager. They have team managers who handle all the admin stuff. Obviously, us as the Tigers take a lot of the admin side onto our burden. Not our burden, but our that's a part of our process We where we take care of the uniforms, we take care of team insurance, we take care of team communication apps. We have a lot of different uh, resources and player development, both or in player development and on the coach's admin side that we can help save time and help them reallocate time to the field. But those are the situations where it seems seamless. It seems like all angles are covered. The situations that I think tend to 
work down the path of this team kind of blows up and they all go separate ways, which we've all seen this, is where I don't think all those avenues are covered. And then you're always feeling like you're playing catch up. The team communication sucks. There's well, just go when on. you're on the island of yourself where you think like, okay, I can do all of this. It's very tough. Yeah. Even at even at the high school level when I was coaching for the high school Tigers, the and I wasn't part of the director side, I was amazed at how much I didn't have to do because the because the system took care of it. All I had to worry about was make sure I'm on time. And this is me out of college or mm -hmm. out of professional baseball. Make sure I'm on time. Make sure I have a plan, curriculum, and then be able to execute the X's and O's. Mm -hmm. And then I had an assistant coach that did everything that I couldn't do, which I would pass on to him. Mm -hmm. And he took care of everything. So I think from a person that is start that wants to get into coaching and says, you know what, I have, I have an itch. I want to help people. But the negatives are just outweighing the positives right now. I would say we need, you need to, re, you need to outsource, start a team, outsource it. If you have a son or daughter and you want to make sure that they're taken care of, I would outsource everything, literally everything that you, that are not your strengths. It's called delegation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the best businesses in the world do that. Um, the best influencers in the world do that. Uh, if you think about how we're set up, we do that to an extent for um, things that are able to help take care of coaches. Mm -hmm. um, I do the marketing. You do sales. You do deals with um, with other companies. So, And then Aaron looks over everything and makes sure that everything's good. And then we have Shannon and Sandy who do the admin side and onboards people and make sure that they're taken care of account, account managers basically. So you can do the same thing with your team. If you're a person that says, I just want to start an independent team out there. I would challenge you outsource the things that you are not good at because that's going to help you. And the big, the big thing, the, the reason that we're sharing this information is that there are a lot of quality people out there, probably someone that's listening to this right now that has the ability to impact um, someone at a very high level where from the short term, it seems like, man, this is so tough. But then in the long term, you gain the respect out of this person and they end up making unbelievable strides in their life. And then they can point back to the moment that they joined your team. That's the big thing. That's the huge goal is that you're able to get the respect of someone be, and point to the direction of like Coach Gutton. I guarantee you for him, it's not necessarily the wins that he has because every time that we he hit a milestone on wins, he didn't really care. But he really cares about those major leaguers that made it to Major League Baseball. And that he really cares about those people that end up making big business decisions and are influencers in that space. And that's how, that's what gets me jived up. Like one of our guys is a social media influencer. Yep. That is unbelievable. And I know that there's going to be other guys out there that are going to be doctors. They're going to be CPAs. They're going to be someone that is going to absolutely, um, take on the world and, and make it their own. Well, the world needs more teachers and coaches. They need more people who want to positively impact young culture. That is a thing that the world will always need. And what we're trying to say in this conversation today is that if that's something that you're passionate about and that you think you can help, we want you to do it. Mm -hmm. We want 
you to do it. We also want you to understand that it's not all up to you. That's where you're going to fail. That's where that situation is going to become overwhelming. That's where that situation is going to become problematic. And that's unfortunately why we've seen us losing, not us in general, but us as a, as a youth baseball travel you know, system, like the whole navigated process of this, that's where we see people losing and, and getting out and teams disbanding and coaches not wanting to do this anymore is because that you get burnt out. Yeah. You get burnt out as, as simply put as that. And it doesn't have to be that way. I think the hardest thing too is because I'm a person that when I see something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all in. And then, um, it gets to a point where I won't ask anybody for help. I'll just try to figure it out sure. and I get burnt out really fast. It happens to me a lot. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've started realizing, Oh, I could pass this off. I can pass that off because my assumption is, is that, Oh, Dave doesn't want to do that. Or Shannon doesn't want to do that. Or Jaws doesn't want to do that. But in reality, that probably goes into your strength and you're like, mm-hmm. hell yeah. I was waiting for you to ask me to do that. Right. I really want to do that because people, some people aren't going to go out of their way and be like, Hey, you need help with that. Sometimes they'll just wait for you to Some will, ask. but most won't. Yeah. I don't think it, they'll, they'll wait They're, for you to ask. And it's not, it's not a negative quality. It's just people are busy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that goes from a leadership standpoint is that someone that's able to ask and being willing to hear that no is very important. Obviously in sales, you, you hear no's all the time. Sure. It's coming. It's overcoming that no until you get that yes, because there is a perfect person out there that's going to be able to satisfy that need for that team. Well, and I just think there's so many people don't give themselves a lot of credit in this area where they they tend to think I hear this a lot too. Is well, I'm not a I'm not a baseball or softball guy, and you talked about this earlier. You know what can I help out there? Well, there's. I find myself as a baseball guy, generally speaking, when I coach, I don't talk a whole lot about baseball. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the like, funny thing. The expert advice is so niche. That's the funny thing. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, of course I do. Well, but like stra- strategy plays a factor. Of course, yes, but it's that, not, that does play a factor, it's not, but that's not the end all be all. No, I'm, I said this three, four podcasts ago. I am much more talking about how to handle life circumstances, how to handle adversity, being a psychiatrist to a certain extent, and talking about those things and basically helping shape young men, okay? That's what more so of my coaching has done. And I know so many people who are very, very good at that. They do that in their own jobs. And as long as, you know, I can look back to so many coaches that I had and understanding how much they've shaped who I have become. And I can think back to certain circumstances or situations or just advice and values that they've taught me that I've now taken onto my own life, my career, my relationships, and just been able to pass that information along. We need more of that, man. The ultimate coach is the person that is able to, that's a leader. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the ultimate coach. Cause there's, there, I could argue both sides of the spectrum that um, the person that has the least amount of knowledge but has leadership skills is way better of a coach than the person that played 12 years in Major League Baseball but has zero leadership. But can't communicate. But can't communicate it. Um, There's a number of, inside of our world, there's a number of guys that just had that, and they they admit it. Like, I just went out there and did it. I didn't know how I did it. I just did it. If I, if I explain it to you, like Albert Pools talks about this when he was in, in the facility, he said, 
I just know how to do. It. I know what works for me. And if you look on Major League Baseball, the MLB Network, he was he was just tarnished when he went on there and talked about his bat path and all these gurus, expert gurus came out and said, that's not what Albert does. And sure enough, that's not what Albert did, what he was explaining. But Albert knows himself. Mm -hmm. He knows what works for him. Now, is he a coach? At some point, he possibly could because he has really good leadership skills. He possibly could teach these players all about um, lifestyle and how to approach the game and doing all of that. But when you talk about a person that is a leader, I would rather take that person than the person that was a 20-year big leaguer or a guy that played um, at an SEC school but wasn't a leader. And he just knows the ins and outs of um, the swinging mechanics and pitching mechanics. I don't want that as my head coach. I want the guy that is the leader as my head coach. I want the general. I want the person that is going to be able to teach me how do I move from point A to point B in the straightest path possible and I'm going to get wins. That's what I want. Well, and even finding the person that's willing to say, hey, I might not know that, but I'm going to go learn it or I'm going to go find the people who do know how to teach that or talk about that to put you and set you up for the best possible success. Well, and understand too, is that those guys that know specifics on pitching and hitting, that doesn't mean that they're undervalued. It just means that they are very good at communicating that specific thing, which is super important. And again, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast that the price that you pay for that information is very cheap. It's undervalued. It's, it's extremely undervalued in my humble opinion, knowing being in this world and the industry and being able to get, grab that one piece of information that's going to be able to get you to 90 miles an hour or be able to hit a 400 foot home run. That information is important, but is it more important than a head coach that has leadership ability that's going to be able to mold you and, uh, and give you the characteristics that you need to overcome adversity? That my friends, is way more important than knowing how to do something specific as in throwing a pitch 90 miles an hour. It's way, way more important. Because you can apply it. No one cares if you throw a 90 mile an hour fastball. IBM doesn't care if you can throw a 90 mile an hour fastball. They just don't. First form here in St. Louis, corporate headquarters. They, they'll be like, oh, let's, let's see it. Throw a 90 mile an hour fastball. Oh, that's cool. All right, see ya. That's, they don't care. But if you're able to have leadership abilities and be able to move people in a direction where we're going to go attack something and we're going to be able to increase our business revenue or we're going to be able to make a movement inside of society where we're going to get laws passed, that's way more important mm -hmm. than you knowing how to hit a 400-foot home run. And that's what, that's what a lot of people have in those, in those characteristics but they don't think they should be coaching. We want to encourage those people to coach because Without those doubt. those people are going to ultimately, I, I've seen some of the best coaches in our organization who didn't play college baseball, maybe played high school, maybe not, maybe they're accountants, but they've, they've created some of the best young men and women that I've seen come through our doors. They act the right way. They go about their business the right way. They manage that whole system. Ultimately, they have a great support staff around them. I think that is key. Mm -hmm. I think that is incredibly important because it frees them up to do what they do well, which is basically 
assist people along that path of growing as a, as a young person, whether that's inside the game or outside of the game. That's what I think so many people undervalue in terms of a coaching asset and that they should overvalue. The best coaches that I've had um, didn't play at a very high level. Coach Culbertson, who was my junior college coach, didn't even play college baseball. He was part of the Mizzou baseball team as a assistant where he wasn't getting paid. He just loved the game so much and he saw a niche where he could develop players and was very good at developing players. But his greatest attribute wasn't him developing players. His greatest attribute was getting the player to believe in himself to get better. That's a huge difference. There, there, there's a difference between someone that is being able to give you the information and then you, here's the information, go do it. The person doesn't know what to do with that. But if you have a person that's able to motivate you and give you the information, motivation being the key thing, that is extremely valuable, without a doubt. That, that is the ultimate coach. My other coach at Missouri State, Coach Keith Gutton, you can make the argument that Missouri State was a, was a powerhouse, but it was at Division II at the time. So he didn't even play Division I. Mm-hmm. He played Division II baseball. And before that, I think he was in junior college. Mm-hmm. And he is one of the most legendary coaches in college baseball. So if you're a person out there and you have leadership skills and you're, you're a person that um, wants to make a move and help people out, this game is for you. The coaching, like it could be volleyball, it could be hockey, it could be anything. The youth players need more people that are able to give them characteristics and morals that their parents are telling them in their households, but to be able to enforce it in game-like scenarios and environments that's going to test those characteristics and be able to deliver that. Well, and we hear it all the time. Parents say, well, he's not going to listen to me. I'm his parent. I'm his mom. I'm his dad. Mm -hmm. But guess who he listens to? His coach. That, That turns out to be an incredibly influential figure in that young person's life. We want to encourage that. We want more good quality people in this game. Okay. That is, that's of the utmost importance to get this game to the next generation generation of people. You know, we talked about it in a couple episodes ago. I think major league baseball is dying out in the young culture. I don't want to see this game go away. A big portion or a big part of this game not going away is having great influencers in those coaching type positions at young levels that keep people incredibly interested in this sport. And also it's it's part of the coaching culture too, is that um, coaches we're we're a we're a band of brothers or even sisters, uh, for that matter, because there's some um, women then in this game that are doing phenomenal jobs Absolutely. Um, at the youth and high school level is that you have, if you see someone that's out there and you're like, man, that person is different. Like they're, they're, they're different. They, they know their stuff on people. Like after talking to them and you trust them, 
try to get that person involved because that's just going to grow this game or grow the sport that you're in and it's going to explode it and we're actually going to have better people out of that because that's what the youth needs. They need those people on a micro level and being able to teach them the ins and outs of what works, what doesn't work, discipline, courage, failure, fear, all of that, because that's why we have all these issues in our society on um, having, I have too much anxiety, I have depression, all, you name it, any, anything that's going on in the world. I think if we're able to help the youth out throughout that time, that's really going to help them be able to cope with it when they start maturing as adults and they, they start having all these hormones and they start figuring out who they are. Because there's a lot of questions that are unanswered when they get into high school. And that's where a lot of confusion happens. 100%. It's, your, uh, it's probably your most, I guess you would say your most influential years would be those youth years. Oh, it's without gonna, a doubt. It's going gonna, it's gonna to totally, it totally shaped who I am. It, um, I don't know where I'd be personally without sports. No idea. Like we were having that conversation the other day because of, you know, the whole COVID shutdown situation of high school sports. Some states are not playing. Some states are. Um, and I had a conversation with a buddy friend of mine who, and I was like, Matt, what in the world would I be if I didn't have sports? I don't even know where I'd be in life. I'm not saying like I'd be in, in a gutter somewhere, but I don't know what I'd do. I can't thank sports enough. I can't thank the youth coaches who literally decided to volunteer their time to help shape who I am, I can't thank all of you enough. That is, an, that is, a, that is the best gift that people have ever given me. I mean, I can name the most influential coach in my youth career, and um, outside my dad, um, was Harvey Brandvine, who you probably will never hear of who, who's sure. that. But I know who he is. He'll still, I'll still remember him when he's long and gone. He's still around, obviously, but yeah. when, when he's dead, I'm, I can point to him and be like, yep, that guy really helped me out. Yeah. And that's, that is so important. Like, that is legendary because you are, a, you are technically a legend. You are in that person's mind, your, your, your thoughts, your beliefs, um, how you approach your life is now living through somebody else and mm. they're going to pass it on to somebody else and then somebody else and somebody else. That is so important. If you want to be remembered, that's the route that you need to go. And that could be dance. That could be art. That could be music, anything, anything. And it doesn't matter if it's at a huge level where you end up making a big organization or you're at a micro level with a single team. Everything is important. So I'm going to finalize my opinion in this statement. This will be my closing pitch. If you have a passion for that or you think you can help, please go out and volunteer. Please go do that because I guarantee you have more information than you're even giving yourself credit for. And you have more value than you're giving yourself credit for because I think that every youth coach starts with the absolute best intentions. That's a, that's a, that's a common theme that I see from every coach. They want to get in to help. With that being said, help yourself. Set yourself up for success by learning how to delegate, by learning how to outsource, to find systems and functions and, and teams that are going to allow you guys to succeed at the best level and not put that entire burden on yourself or that entire time on yourself as a coach. Look for 
clubs, look for coaches, look for parents who you bring onto the team that are going to help alleviate that and allow you to get back to what you originally intended to do, which is pass on information and help those young men and women. My closing pitch is going to caddy off of that, which is outsource, 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 outsource. Um, now it's a little bit easier because you have clubs like ourselves that are able to help with a lot of those admin duties um, that'll be able to help you through that. Also give you guidance on things that if there's questions like, hey, I don't know if this is going to work or I need to get my kid recruited or my kids recruited. How do I approach that? Like there, there are experts out there that are going to be able to help you along that and find systems and find processes that are going to be that are going to help you streamline your team. My my team, when I was um, in seventh and eighth grade, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, my mom did all of the uniforms and created the call tree. Do you remember the call tree? The what? The call tree. Call tree? Yes. It's, it was before cell phones. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I remember. Where, I had one of those rotary phones yeah, growing so up. Yeah, so it wasn't like you could go on to, like, didn't email blast it out or yeah. anything. If there was a rain out, you called, the person called one person, then that person had to call the other person. Oh, yeah? It was going all the <laughs> way down. I think I yeah. ever saw that. This is way before, like, big time email and cell phones and everything like that. <laughs> and so you had to call somebody. That's and we funny. actually had that in junior college. And then someone uh, brought it up to, I, I forgot who brought it up, but they're like, hey, you know, like, you can just text that out in a group chat. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then that was like the revolutionary idea. That's hilarious. So, Example, my mom was one of those outsourced people and then someone else did the budget for our team and it was another mom. So there, there's, Abel's, there, there's people out there that are on the team that are willing to um, volunteer their hours because mm -hmm. they know how, much, how hard you're working. Just outsource that out. And now it's a little bit easier because you have big clubs like us. You have other softwares out there that are able to do the mm -hmm. same thing. Um, so it, it, it's easier than ever now even though there's a lot more information, it's easier now to outsource than ever before. Please get out there. If you think you can help, do it. Guys, that is our closing pitch. This is, that, this is the final part of our episode. This is my time to ask and deliver and give you, give you my right hook of please give us a review. Five stars preferably. Dave and myself work extremely hard on this podcast. Just to let everyone know, this is not our full-time job. We are not podcasters. We don't literally sit, get up every day and say, all right, what are we going to do for the show? Let's film it. Let's organize all these, this content. Let's cut, let's splice, let's market it out. We have no advertising dollars. We are literally on a thin budget. Literally the mics that we are holding in our hands right now is how we are promoting this podcast. This is the entire budget. This is the entire budget. It's <laughs> Dave's smile that is getting us worldwide. Oh boy. So if you don't trust Dave Smile to get us worldwide, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. Text this out to your group chat and say, guys, listen to this episode. We're going to talk about it at practice or we're going to talk about this as a group. Um, that would be a huge compliment to us. Um, and that's my last sales pitch. I don't have a closing for that pitch, but um, anyways... You got anything else, Dave? Share it. Enjoy it. Please uh, let us know if you have any topics you want to talk about in the future. We'd love to talk about it. Our goal with the podcast, like stated before, is to bring information out in the open. Let's talk about it. Let's make this game better. 
Thank you for watching or listening or both to The Closing Pitch. If you'd like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor where you can submit your statement or question via audio. Or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK if you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice five star preferably and we value your opinion and this allows us to reach more people thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next episode